good to be with you all this morning. My family and I have been a part of Soma for a while, and um, I've got my, my lovely wife, Colleen, and my three lovely daughters down there right in front, right in front so my daughters can pay attention and listen. So, just kidding. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, we live down in Parkland. Anybody else here live in Parkland by chance? We got, hey, Sam, all right. Anybody know where Parkland is? Okay, good, that's a win. All right. Um, it's a great place, and uh, we've been there for a while as well. So, well, I want to start out a little bit here with um, a story from my early life. When I was a teenager, at the age of 16, my family and I moved from rural eastern Washington, a place called Grand Coulee. Anybody ever been to the Grand Coulee Dam? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, huge dam there that's on the Columbia River, supplies a lot of electricity for the state, and they do this big laser light show. Got to take my family there, actually, this last summer for, for one of the first times there. It was awesome. But we moved from this small town when I'm 16, small area. There's not a traffic light in the whole place and, or a McDonald's. And uh, we moved to Vancouver, Washington, um, which is fairly bigger, right across the river from Portland. And um, I go from a high school. This is in between. This is right in the middle of my sophomore year. I'm 16 years old. And I, I transitioned from a high school of like a couple hundred kids where I knew mostly everybody's name to a high school of about 1,300, 1,400 students, which felt like community college to me. Completely lost. There's like, you know, half a dozen different buildings full of classrooms and the hallways are super crowded and everything. And I'm, you know, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. I don't have any friends. Um, and... One thing about me that was huge for me in high school was skateboarding. I was a skater in high school. I had put all of my identity and my worth and significance into skateboarding. It was my thing. And if you know anything about skaters, um, it is your, it's your whole life. Your clothing it changes. Everything looks a certain way. The music, obviously the, the people you hang out with and what you spend most of your time doing. And then you usually carry around this little object uh, the, the, uh, this little symbol of your identity, a skateboard, right? This piece of plywood with four little wheels on it. And so here I am, I'm this skater, and I'm at this brand, this is a whole new context for me. I'm at this huge high school, and I can remember like the first day I'm there. I don't know anybody, I don't have any, I don't have any friends. I'm just sort of maybe nonchalantly looking around. Does, does that person look like a skater? Maybe that person's a skater. Maybe I could go talk with them, you know? But I'm still putting out this front that like, I'm cool, I'm independent, I'm, I'm tough, I'm gritty, I've got this skater identity, I'm a rebel, you know, I'm kind of DIY. And, um, and I go to lunch in the cafeteria, and of course it's just packed, and all of the tables are, uh, are filled with people. And, and it's like the cafeteria, you know, is like, that's the place where you find out if you belong, you know, if you have a group, if you have a tribe, and if you don't, then you're a total loser. You're a total loner. And they actually had this bench off to the side. There was this bench that was like the overflow area. If you can't find a seat or a table, or if there's even tables that have seats open, but it looks like that's a group that you, you're not, you don't belong with yet, you, know, you go off to the bench on the side, and you sit all by yourself with all the other people there that don't have friends or groups or whatever, right? Super bummer. But, and I remember I, I get my... I get my um, I get my tray, I, got, I had the hot lunch, the school lunch today, I get, I, I get my tray, and I'm sitting there, and then, because you're not at a table, you're just you're sitting on this bench, and I got my tray on my, on my lap, you know, 
and I'm just sitting there for like a few minutes, just sort of eating, looking around. And all of a sudden, I noticed that like the fruit cocktail, you guys remember the fruit cocktail, right? It was like 20% fruit and 80% high fructose corn syrup. And, and it's like dripping off of the tray onto my leg. So then I got fruit cocktail like staining my, my big baggy like frayed pants that I wear as a skater. You know, <laughs> kind of embarrassed, but, but, but nobody notices anyway because I'm, 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 of, I'm off of the bench, you know, sitting by myself. And so I'm 16, I'm a skater, and, I, and I'm feeling kind of, I'm sort of feeling kind of lonely, but I'm like, I'm going to tough through this, and I'll, you know, I'll find some friends. Well, my brother, invite, he hears about this youth group. Because yeah, I, I grew up, um, I, I grew up as a Christian going to church, and so, so my brother hears about this little youth group at this little church, and he invites me to go. He, t- he says, hey, Derek, you should check this out. And he's, he's in middle school at the time, I'm in high school, and so I go, and I go to this youth group, and I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be the only skater there, and I'm coming in with this pretense in this front, and I got my little symbol of my identity. I got my skateboard with me, and I'm wearing my flannel shirt, because that's what skaters wore in the 90s. And, uh, and I've got my baggy pants and my skater shoes. And I'm going to go, and um, we'll just see what happens, you know. And so... <clears throat> And I go, and there's maybe about a dozen high school kids, and there's a youth pastor and his wife that are that that are running the night, you know, this youth night. And I can't remember really anything about that night. I don't remember what they what the teaching was, what the theme of the night was. I think it was some kind of like um, Bible trivia or some nerdery like that. Um, And I'm sort of just, and I'm sitting there. And, uh, you know, sort of just playing it cool and sort of paying attention, but just kind of off in my own little world. And I knew most of the answers to the Bible trivia anyway, because I grew up in a Baptist church. So Baptist churches care a lot about Bible, Bible trivia. And I don't, I, so I, I don't remember really hardly anything about that night, but what happened at the end just blew me away. And at the end, I'm the only skater there, and the youth the youth pastor's wife, all of a sudden, just, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to, like, just make a quick silent exit out because everything's kind of finishing up. And she says, you know what? I think we all need to give Derek a group hug. <laughs> group hugs. And, um, <clears throat> and, I, and I'm like, oh, you know, simultaneously embarrassed and yet melted at the same time, and they all come around me and just kind of squish me, you know? And, um, and I look back on that, and, and, and I don't know, I don't think I really understood it at the time, but I look back on that, and it was like God knew how much I needed that group hug, right? I mean, we think of group hugs, and you're thinking, oh, that's so churchy, youth group cliche. I mean... You know, who does that anymore? And it's so cute and just whatever. But God knew that I needed that. And, and he was showing me his love through that little experience right there, surrounded by these kids that were nothing like me, at least how I perceived them. And they accepted me and they made me feel like I belonged. Right then and there. Totally brand new, new city, new school, everything. And 
I just, I just felt so compelled and so convicted and so humbled and melted at the same time. See, God knows how much we need community. This is, this is part of his design from the beginning is to show the world who he is, his love, his grace, his power through his people, through his church, through his community. It's been like that from the beginning. I'm going to read a couple of verses here from John 14. Okay, open up your Bibles to John 14. <clears throat> John chapter 14. It's a great conversation here that Jesus has with the disciples. I'm going to read a few verses, and then we're going to, we're going to um, just talk about what some of this looks like here. Jesus says this. We're going to pick up in verse 10. John chapter 14. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let me pray. Father, we need the help of your Spirit. We need the helper, even this morning, as we hear from you, we hear from your story, we hear from your word. Let these words um, have conviction and strength on our hearts. Encourage us, build us up. Thank you that you love us so much. Help us to see that you love us so deeply through Jesus and yours, showing your love through us as a community. Amen. So from the beginning, God's design for humanity has always been that there would be deep community, a deep community of love and pursuit. If you go back to the beginning of the story, which we often like to do as part of this church, because it's the beginning where we get the foundation for our, our whole theology, our worldview, everything that we believe about Christianity. And God creates everything perfect. He creates everything good. Everything is amazing. And you get to not very too far into creation story, and there's one thing that it clearly says is not good. And that's the, the man, Adam, whom he created first, is alone. Adam is all by himself. He's an individual. And so what does God do? He creates Eve to come and be with him, to be in community with him. God create, When he creates Adam, he creates an individual. When he creates Eve, he creates community. And it's so fascinating. He says, it says that it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay? You see, right away we see that, that, that even with Adam as the first human being created, that there's already kind of this built-in limitation into creation, in a creation that was good and perfect and amazing, and then he creates Eve, and it's like the whole thing is now very good. It's, it's amazing. It's just, it baffles me sometimes that even in the story, even in the story it would say that there was something that wasn't good about creation even though God created everything good and he's perfect and good, 
And, and, and I think it's clear that there's this, there is this, this, this little hole, this limitation that God says, I'm going to fill this. So, so I'm going to make sure you understand that you cannot live life individually anymore. You can't do this on your own. You need people around you. You need community to help you. Okay? That's how amazing this is. That's how beautiful this is and how powerful this is right here. <clears throat> and so Adam doesn't know what he needs until it's looking at him in the face. Naked with Eve. Adam's like, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I needed when I was a teen until it was looking at me in the face. In fact, many faces, and I'm being engulfed by it. And so God pursues Adam, demonstrates his love and care for him through Eve, and vice versa. And that's part of the amazing reality that husbands and wives have being married to each other. And it's the same with friends. That when we're friends, we have these friendships. With each other, we can be this living, walking, breathing resource for each other, pursuing each other. Now, this design that God builds into creation of community, it hasn't always, it wasn't always like that. It hasn't always been like that. And we see that because of unbelief and rebellion, you don't get too much further in the story. And then you have the story of the serpent, the Satan embodied by the serpent who comes and um, preaches a lie. He, he tells lies to Adam and Eve. And they, they believe the lie that they can be like God, that they can actually be individuals on themselves. They, uh, they don't need God, and then they don't need each other. And so right after that, you see, because of their unbelief, because of their rebellion, you start to see right away there's conflict in their marriage, there's conflict in their relationship because of the, the structure of leadership and those kinds of things. And then you even see that a complete disintegration, a breakdown, and a literal killing off of community because the first murder that we have reported, re- re- accounted for here in the history of the world is between the, two first, the first two set of brothers, between Cain and Abel. And Cain literally he kills his brother. He literally kills off the community, this built-in community and family that God had designed from the beginning. It's crazy when you think about that. Look how serious that is. Cain, and Cain, even after he, he kills his brother, he then questions God's plan for a community. God is like, hey, where is Abel your brother? Even though God knows where he's at, but he asks him, hold him accountable. And Cain is like, what, am I, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, so th- this is the effect of sin. Sin wants us to think in terms of individual. It wants us to think that I'm on my own. I have my own authority and my own power to make these decisions for my own, not in keeping with God and his will and his plan. Okay? And furthermore, I tend to think because of this modern society in which we live, I tend to think of myself as my identity is, is in and of myself. I exist in and of myself. This is different than a pre-modern time. Uh, you go back even four or five hundred years ago when your identity was built, it was built into community. Your, your identity was interwoven into a community or a tribe, and so you couldn't really even imagine yourself, your, your whole sense of livelihood and your, your worth and your value and your significance as outside of a community. It was so deeply ingrained in the community. That's why when, when, sometimes when you watch movies and shows of, of, the, of, of the times during the medieval period, and you hear, you hear sons and daughters saying, I am Joseph, son of James, right? Because that's where their identity is. It's in their, it's in their family. It's in their community. It's in their tribe. And so that's why even today, 
It's so easy for us to either opt in or self-select out of a group or community because we find our identity in and of ourselves, individually. We don't see it as part of a community anymore, and it's part of the reason why we have problems in marriages and families and the dysfunction and such because we're all acting like individuals. We don't see ourselves as as existing within a community anymore and, and identifying so deeply within that community. You know, we don't really uproot ourselves anymore because we don't really have roots to begin with. Now, I, I, I know there's some nuances in that in terms of our belief as Christians and how we see ourselves as family in the church and then how we see ourselves as individual families. But by and large, individualism, <clears throat> this idea of finding our identity in and of ourselves is so deeply rooted in our culture and it goes all the way back to sin. So as part of then God's res- restoration project in the world, through Jesus, he's bringing this salvation and this redemption for each one of us, but he's gathering us back together as a community, as a family, as God is our father, and we are his children, and, we, and that is our identity now. We are a new community. We are a new kind of people who are then sent into the world to demonstrate God's love, just like God sent Jesus into the world, his son, his, his eternal triune family, he sent his son to demonstrate his love for us, to us. He now sends us, and he, he brings us together. He gathers us together. That was part of the mission of Jesus' New Testament, to gather us together, to become part of a new community, to show the world who God is to each other as a community, his love and his grace, his power, and then as well to the world, to those who do not yet believe. It's also why when you get to the New Testament, you see over and over again this command to love one another. It saturates all throughout the New Testament. You can't get away from it. Love. Love each other. Lay down your lives for each other. Just like we're going to look here maybe a little more closely in John 14. And, you, and we have this command not just because life, life isn't just better when we love each other. It is. It, it pays off in the long run. I mean, it just... We can all agree that when we love each other and we, and we do it according to the way that the biblical story pictures for us and lines out for us and commands us, when we do that, it just, life is better. Like when we treat each other that way, it just is. I mean, God knows that. That's why he, that's why he tells us to do it, calls us to it time and time again. It's built into the fabric of the universe, right? It's not just, but, but, but it's not just because of that, but like I said, so we can show the world who and what sort of God this is, the one true God. Now, God, this is what I want to look at in John 14. God shows his pursuing love through his church. And, it, and the church, as Randy was talking about last week, we are a community with limitations. Okay? And so in John 14 here, I didn't have time to look at all, didn't have time to read through all these verses but even it carries on into John 15 when Jesus talks about, I am the vine and you are the branches. He says, abide in me. This is John 15, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. <clears throat> if you abide in me, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so proved to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Okay? Here's what's going on here. This is such an amazing conversation. I, I want to encourage you to maybe even in your beloved groups this week or in your, on your own time, 
read through some of this together in John 14 and 15. We don't have all the time to go through it. But the, the whole framing of this conversation in the context of this, what Jesus says here, is Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. He's leaving them. They still don't get it yet. They don't even, they barely get it that he's going to die this horrific death on a cross and be crucified. They don't even understand he's going to be resurrected yet. I mean, that comes as a total surprise to them if you keep reading on into the New Testament. And then he's going to ascend, he's going to leave again. He's going to ascend to the Father. It is just, it's crazy to me that Jesus is in a sense, I mean, you would think that he's going to stick around. If the dude is going to die and then resurrect, I mean, he's, that's total prime. Like, that just, that's a, that is a global, like, blow up. Here's a guy who has done something that has, that has never been done in history, ever. And you would think he would stick around, but he says, no, unless I go, unless I leave you, you can't have the spirit. Because look, I'm one man in one location. You are going to be many. Because you have the spirit now, you're going to multiply. The church is going to get bigger. And that's why he says, greater works than these you will do, than even me, because I go to the Father. I am united with the Father. The Father is united in me, and you are now going to be united in me. There's going to be this deep connection, this vine and this branches. I abide in my Father's love. He abides in my love. Now you abide in my love. Okay? There's this deep, uh, very you know, almost surreal love and, 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 and this unity connection here that Jesus is trying to help his disciples leave or understand because he's leaving and he's sending them and he's calling them and he's saying, look, look, like get ready for this work that you're going to do because you have the helper now. Just like Adam had his helper, you're going to have a helper now who's going to be in you, who's going to be with you, that's going to dwell in you and it's going to empower you, teach you, guide you so that you can be a community of love and care for each other, so that the world will see that you're my disciples. Okay, I wish I had more time to just kind of go through each verse here, but I encourage you to look at that. This is super powerful here, and we have to get this as a community. Because if we don't, what's going to happen is like, okay, yep, Jesus left us this example that's great, got that, even says it there, and I should then go try really, really hard and like, just, you know, I'm just going to like, I'm going to stuff my limitations and I'm just trying to overcome them as much as I can. I'm going to try to really hard to love my community, even though maybe at the end of the day I don't really want to. And I'm only thinking individually. And I've got my own concerns and my priorities and my issues and my stuff. Now, Jesus is saying, you have the spirit now. He, I mean, he says, whatever you... Whatever you ask for, ask in my name. Okay? Talk to the Father. Listen to the Father. What is he telling you to do as a, as a follower? What is he telling us to do as a community and how we can love and care for others? How we can love and care for each other? The only way that you can truly love each other is through me. You and my love and I and the Father's love. Okay? Jesus is the beloved Son. He's fully loved by his father who only does what the father tells him to do. Even though he had some limitations as a physical human being, being fully God and yet fully man at the same time, he still only did what his father told him to do. And he's saying, now you all as a community, you all as the church, 
do the same. You are fully loved by your Father. Even though you may have limitations, remain in my love. Be in me and I in you. All right? So what does some of this look like here? Pursuing each other, loving each other, showing God's love to each other, even in our limitations, even in a community here uh, that, has, that has limitations, okay? I want to look at this in, in, with a movement of three steps here, three, three actions. It first begins with desire. It then moves to ability, and then it ends with capacity. So desire, abilities, and capacities. The first one, let's talk about desire just briefly here. Okay, any time that we have maybe a need that we're confronted with, Um, we should first ask ask ourselves, do I have the desire to help meet this need? Is this someone, uh, is this a need, and what what kind of a need is this, and do I have the desire, do I even want to do this? Check your heart and be honest with yourself about that. If you have the desire in your heart to pursue and love and care for this person in your community, then move on to the next question of ability. But if you don't, then maybe you should spend some time in repentance. Why do I not want to help this person? Why do I not want to help this community or, or help meet this need right now? What's going on with me? And spend some time with Jesus on that. Because it always begins with the heart. Always does. God always wants us to have the right desires in our obedience. And God's love is so amazing. So spend that time in, if you don't have the desire and you're struggling with that, spend some time in repentance and confession to God. Maybe even, maybe even with people that are, um, that are in accountability with you or with your, with your spouse or with one of your friends. Man, I, I really am having a hard time with uh, this person or this group that has this need. I don't really feel like I want to do it. Um, <clears throat> so the first one is, is desire. If you have the desire, then ask yourself, do I have the ability or the resources to help meet this need? If you don't, if you don't have the ability or the resources to do that, then use your desire that you already have in your heart and say, I'm going to help find someone or find a community that can help you with this right now. I can't do this. I have limitations. That's okay. But I know someone who may be able to help you, and we're going to ask them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue you through pursuing them to see if they can help. You see how that works then? So if you have the desire and you really want to help and care and show love and pursue someone here or a community, um, then ask yourself if you have the ability. And if you do, great. Then I think that this third one I think is also important, capacity. If you have the desire, ability, and capacity or desire and ability, then ask yourself, do you have the capacity? Because you may have both of those. Like you, you may really want to love someone and pursue them, and you may have the ability and the resource to do it, but maybe at that point uh, in your week or your month, you don't actually have the capacity to do that. And that's okay, because maybe there are other concerns or priorities, other people that you're trying to care for, or you've got your, 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 or, or your family or there's a group of friends that has a lot of needs right now, and you're, and you're focused on them, then go back through the, last, the first couple of steps and help find someone who has all three, who, has, who, who can have the desire, who has the ability and the capacity 
than to help and to provide care and love and support. So you see how that works? All of this needs to be interwoven with prayer and listening to God. God, what are you telling me to do here? I have this desire to help someone, uh, to pursue them and love them, but I'm not sure if I have the ability. Okay, I think I do. What are you telling me to do? What, what is it? Okay, that's, that's the whole point, what, what Randy was trying to get across last week with limitations. We only do what the Father tells us to do. If we go beyond that, if we try to do too much, we get worn out, we get embittered, we get frustrated, and then the whole thing breaks down. And then oftentimes, I don't know about you, but when I, I okay, so I'm a pursuer. Like I just, I, my wife knows that about me. And it's really easy when she brings a need to me in our family <laughs> or a need that she hears of in, in, with, another, with another person or community. I'm like, let's do it right now. Like, and part of that is just like, oh, one thing was added to my to-do list. I'm just going to knock it off and let's go. Right? And I just go, I, my default is crisis management mode. Like, oh, this is a crisis. Let's go. Let's meet it right now. We've got to get it done. And half the time, my wife is like, no, Derek, I just want you to listen to me right now. Let's just listen. Let's talk through this. I really want you to understand some of the underlying concerns here. And I'm like, no, but I've got, I've got the solution. We can just do this, this, and then it's good. Right? And I think oftentimes we do that, and maybe we do that too much, or we try too hard, and then, and then we just feel, I mean, we feel so overwhelmed. We feel so overworked. And then because of our sin, what happens? Then we just like, we distance. We like, nope, I'm pulling away. I'm done with this. This is too hard. I'm not even sure if I had the desire in the first place. But I, I felt compelled and I sort of felt obligated. And so I went ahead and just told this person I committed to him. I told him I was going to help him. I told him I was going to enter in and love him. And, and, and now I can't. And now I'm, I'm pulling away f- further. It just, it tends to happen like that, right? But my friend's, When you look at the gospel, when you look at what Jesus has done for us, the beloved son who then lays down his life for us, loves us to the end. And there's nothing, there's nothing, even if we have to say no to someone a dozen times in a week because we can't help them, we're still so fully, deeply loved. We got God's love is so deep and so wide and so eternal because of Jesus. And even as much as maybe there's times where we want to say yes and we want to help and we want to love and pursue and care for people, but because of our limitations, we can't. We're loved. And that's so freeing. And God wants us to then Live out of that freedom. I know for me personally, it has been, it is always so hard when somebody asks me, Derek, can you help? Can you do this? And I'm like, and, and it's so hard. It's almost impossible for me to say no. Because I want to help them. I feel obligated. Okay? And, I, and I'm not, in that moment, I'm not being reminded of the God. I'm not, I don't hear the gospel. I'm not listening to God. I'm not listening to the Spirit, what the Father's telling me to do because of the gospel, that's how, that, that's how amazing this is. It's huge. There's so much more that I think can be discussed and talked about with this, and what, the, and what does the nitty-gritty of this look like? I hope that we can do that in our beloved, in our, in our beloved groups. Um, of what, the, what does this look like even in some of the 
the nuances, the different aspects of life, but I want to just leave us with that, with the gospel, that because of Jesus, the beloved son, we are beloved sons and daughters who are so deeply loved and cared for even while we are still yet sinful and limited. Okay? Nothing we do or can't do for our community changes the reality of God's love for us in and through Jesus. So I want to move into a time here at the table <clears throat> and... Um, I want to remind us here that uh, <clears throat> the bread, this bread signifies Jesus' body, his perfect life lived in the body of righteousness that is now given to us when we believe. And the cup here with the wine, it, it signifies Jesus' blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sin. What's really amazing is even in John 13 here, prior to when Jesus said these things about the disciples being a community that's in him and his spirit in them, and that they're fully loved by the Father. He, during the Last Supper, John is the only one that has this, this part of the Last Supper. Jesus got down and he took on the role of a servant. He washed his disciples' feet. And he, he said, I, I, I set this as an example to you to follow, to pursue and love one another. But he's, but he's getting them ready for his ultimate sacrifice. He is the only one who ultimately laid down his life for us that we could never do fully for each other. Jesus is the perfect Savior. He's the perfect servant. He's the perfect lover for us. So I want to remind us of that. So um, we're going we're gonna to come. We got, all, we got the tables here, and we're going we're gonna to do this all together as a community. And um, as, as you hear uh, the music with the band, you can go ahead and come forward, and then Zach's going to that's going to lead us from there. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our children being with us, reminding us of how much we're family. And thank you for this word that we are a community um, that is so richly and robustly loved by you. Let us rest in that, Jesus. We need it. We need you and we need each other. Teach us that, Holy Spirit. Bring conviction to bear upon our hearts. Thank you that because of your deep and faithful and eternal love that we are beloved sons and daughters and that we are freed because of you. We are free to pursue each other even though we are yet sinful and limited Give us the freedom. Help us to have the freedom to, to say yes and no out of listening to you and out of wisdom. Knowing full well, trusting full well that we are loved by you. That through that, whatever, if we, if we can say yes or if we can say no, that, that we can become that much more of a, a stronger community together who shows this city and shows this region who you are. So we need you to do that through us. Thank you that you are in us. You promised that. It's very clear to us here in the scripture. And um, we look forward to the rest of this time that we're together and we worship you. In your name, amen.